we started a series a few weeks back on the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. Really, our best friend is the Holy Spirit, and we're in this year of pursuit. And the Holy Spirit's an interesting thing uh, because if I told you, and I've said this almost in every message I've preached, if I told you that we were no longer going to speak on Jesus, we were going to no longer talk about Jesus, I asked how many people would go find a new church, and pretty much all of you raised your hands, as you should, right? Because that's like saying we're no longer going to talk about God in a body on the planet, right? And yet, there's this appetite or this sense that we should never talk about the Holy Spirit. And it's almost worse to say we're never going to talk about the Holy Spirit than it would be to say we're never going to talk about Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit is the present being on the planet right now, right? And, and it's a very real person of God that's here in this place. And when you're talking about the Holy Spirit... Um, we're talking about our need for the Holy Spirit operating in our life and, and that he is to be our best friend, that he's closer than a friend because he's literally living in us. Like when you came to Christ, you were baptized in salvation, the Holy Spirit came to live in you. Then you're, and you see the kingdom of God and we're living. Like right now, we have to imagine we live in the kingdom of God. We're living in a kingdom of God. We're not trying to redeem the kingdom of the world. You, you will fail every time to redeem the kingdom of the world. You're not going to change the world. It's always going to be evil because its king is Satan. We're trying to rescue people from the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of the air, and bring them into the kingdom of God so they can experience the freedom, they can experience the power of the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit works in us. But you can't see him, just like you can't see the wind. Can anyone see the wind? You can't see the wind. They don't have like night vision goggles where you have wind vision goggles. You can't see the wind. You see the effect wind has on things. You, like, you know there's wind. You don't doubt there's wind because you can feel the wind on your face. You can also see the wind move trees and leaves, right? So you know the wind exists. The same is true with the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit. You can't see the kingdom of God, but you can see its effect on things. You, it's, it's, it, it impacts things. You can't see the Holy Spirit, but you can feel its impact. You can feel it in your own being, and you see its effect on people's lives around you. And so the gifts of the Spirit are important. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And I think there's why so many young people are not interested in the church because they've heard a lot about the power of God because it's just been talk. They just don't see it. They're not experiencing it in their life that God still does do miracles. He heals. He still does supernatural things. And, and when they see that, they know it's real. They know the kingdom of God is real. They're more open to understanding it better. And one of the things we've ignored, because even with the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, he makes us uncomfortable. It, you know, like we, maybe you grew up in a church that said the Holy Spirit is no longer for today, which is funny because Jesus is still for today. God the Father is still for today. I think the Holy Spirit probably is still for today. 
right? And, and the gifts of the Spirit are no longer for today. Really? So are you saying that if people get healed or you minister and heal, that that was the devil? I didn't know the devil was healing people now, right? The devil doesn't heal people. The devil isn't doing miracles. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. So the reality is if people are still being healed, the Holy Spirit is still doing his thing, right? The gifts of the Holy Spirit are still operating in our life. And if you're uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit, can I just put you at ease and say that's okay? Because it can be weird and uncomfortable, if you've never experienced it before, because that's our human natural reaction to anything we've never experienced before. But just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean it isn't true. Just because it seems strange doesn't mean it isn't, it isn't what God has planned for your life. It's a matter of then, okay, I'm open to understanding what it is. If every good and perfect gift comes from the Father, you say, Father, I want to understand this more, and he'll begin to open your eyes to things you once thought were weird and strange that the enemy wanted you to think was weird and strange so that you would never walk with the Holy Spirit, that you would never understand the thing that's living in you. You know what I love about God? Even if you're uncomfortable about the Holy Spirit, he still put it in you. Even if you think it's weird, if you're a believer and you believe in Jesus, it's still in you. But wouldn't you want to understand what, is, what you're actually sharing your body with? Because the reality is people say, well, I think I would believe that the Holy Spirit was real if he was an actual person. Well, one, I would argue that God went into Jesus' body and people didn't believe he was God. So I don't think just the Spirit being there would make you believe. But the reality is, the Holy Spirit is in physical form. And you say, where? In your seat. You are, you are cohabiting with the Spirit of God. Isn't that amazing to think about? Like, I'm sharing this body with God. And you say, oh, I don't know if I believe that. Well, then you don't believe the Scripture that says you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is there. When you begin to understand that, you'll understand that the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are active in you are just waiting to be released. They're just waiting to be released out of your physical body. That is just waiting, waiting to participate with you. So here are the nine gifts. The first three we talked about a couple of weeks ago was the discerning gifts, the word of knowledge, discerning the spirits, the word of wisdom. Anybody use those gifts over the last few weeks? Just raise your hand, wave at me, and say, do you use those gifts? Excellent. Okay? And then last week they talked about dynamic gifts, which are faith, healing, and miracles. And that just shows how kind I am as a pastor to let the campus pastors preach on that because I really wanted to preach that one and they, they, didn't, they, didn't, they wanted to, so I let them. Um, but here's the third one is the declarative gifts. And the declarative gifts are ones that, quite frankly, are the easiest to check out on by people in the church because in your mind you're thinking this. And you're like, how do you know I'm thinking it? I can just tell. I can read your mind. You're thinking, I am never doing that. Right? And you're saying, well, what are the gifts? Prophecy, which quite frankly, people will do prophecy. That's, that's not what, it's the tongues and interpretation of tongues. Like in your mind, you're thinking, I'm never doing that. You can talk about it. You can explain it, pastor, but I ain't doing that because that's too weird. 
or that's too difficult, or I don't know if I could do that. So we're going to talk about what they are, and we're going to let the Holy Spirit take the rest. Does that sound okay? So 1 Corinthians 12 says, Now about the gifts of the spirits, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to understand what they are. 1 Corinthians 14 one says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. 1 Corinthians 1.7 says, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Really, God wants us to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Every single person in here. If you're a believer, if you're a believer, God wants you to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And, and there's the baptism of salvation where the Spirit comes and lives in you. There's a baptism in water. And then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit where the Spirit comes and rests upon you. It's very important to be baptism. But the, Paul says, I need you to move from elementary teachings and to walk in the kingdom of God. I need you to be the kind of believer, the world. So how does the world know that you're a believer? Through your love, right? We're, we're going to talk about that. I'll get to that in a moment. But I want to do a review of something. What are the spiritual gifts? What are the spiritual gifts? What they are not are merit badges. If you operate and you prayed for someone to get healed, it doesn't make you a better believer than someone else. They're not, you don't possess them. They're not your gifts. They're the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he, that he operates through you. And they're not magic. You know, so many people watch somebody else. Well, this is how they did it, and so I'm going to do it exactly like that. They're not magic. Simon the sorcerer says, teach me how to do it as if it was a magical formula that was operating. It's not magic. It is, it is a gift of the Holy Spirit. What are they? They're for the common good of the body of Christ. And number two, they're tools in your toolbox to operate in. Okay? So what's interesting is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it talks about tongues and the operation of those gifts. But you know what's in chapter 13? How many know what chapter 13 is? 1 Corinthians 13 is the chapter, right? The love chapter. Isn't it interesting? They put it right in the middle of, of the gifts, talking about gifts. And I really believe they did that because you've, you first need to pursue love before you pursue the gifts. And what is love? It's God. It's God. God is love. I think what Paul is saying, I don't care if you're the most gifted person in the world and you operate in all the gifts in the Spirit. If you don't minister in love, keep your mouth shut. First Corinthians says, if you speak in the tongues of angels and of men, but you have no love, it's as though you've said nothing. Right? If you give all of your money to the poor, but you don't love the poor... It's as if you've given nothing. It's, it really is, you know, when they say, you know, you get to heaven, it says uh, that your good and bad works will be judged. You know what the dif distinguishing point is? It's love. It sins, you're not, it's not judging, it's not, a, it didn't say good works and sins. It said good and bad works. Oh, well, how do you have a bad work? A bad work is a work done without love. And those things you did without ever loving the people will burn up in eternity. But those that were done out of a love for people. See, this is the reality. When you love people, you will want to operate in the gifts because you care about what they're going through. When you love a person and they're sick, you'll want 
to operate in the gift of healing. If someone is, if you love people and they're going through something which is stressing them and you want to give them a word of wisdom, that like that God, God if, when you love people, you pursue the operation of the gifts in your life in order to minister to people because you love people. You, it's out of love you're motivated to doing, not, not obligation, not trying to be a better Christian or trying to be a smarter Christian. because I just love people. But without love, it's pointless. There's no, there's no importance to it. So I'm going to talk about the first gift, the first declarative gift, with his prophecy. And the, here, here's the definition of it. A message of encouragement from God through a person to person or persons. Prophecy, we could talk for a whole series on prophecy. Prophecy is found in the Old Testament. It's also in the New Testament. There are people who prophesied that were far from God, and God used their mouth to speak and prophesy. I think what you, you there's so many people they're afraid to prophesy. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know that. That the problem is you think it's got to come out of your brain rather than understand that the Holy Spirit is in you, just needing to use a willing mouth. It's like you got to say, Holy Spirit, my, I'm willing for you to use my mouth anytime you want, right? How many would like that a lot more than, than already? You know, because when you use it, sometimes it's not always bringing great results. <laughs> like you're like, Holy Spirit, can you shut my mouth when I shouldn't be saying something? And I'm willing to give you the use of mouth, my mouth when, when you want. So, so literally, you're king over your body. And the Holy Spirit lives in you. And the Holy Spirit's waiting for you to submit the use of your body to him when he needs to use it. Does that make sense? So, 1 Corinthians 14. If you have a Bible, pick this up. If you don't have a Bible, download the Bible app and read this with me. 14, 1 through 5. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Do you see what this says? Especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So when we've talked about when a person prays in tongues, doesn't he need an interpretation? No, not when he's talking to God. God doesn't need what they're saying in a tongue interpreted. He understands. So you, you could speak to God in tongues without interpretation. We call it a prayer language. It's kind of easier for us to understand that. There's not really place where it says that, but a prayer language is when you're talking to God, and when I do that in a tongue, I'm edifying only me, which means it's building me up. I'll explain this in a moment, what building me up is. It's edifying me, and I'm talking to God directly, perfect prayer, meaning it's coming from my spirit, man, your three parts, your body, your soul, and your spirit. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Your body is your physical body. And the perfect part of you is the spirit part of you that's putting you at salvation. You're born again. That spirit was born in you. Some say it was dormant. Some say it was actually born. When you came to Christ, it was born in you, okay? You're speaking from that place of the spirit to the Lord in his language, okay? And, and it, I believe it will be the language when we get into eternity that we will speak. Some say, well, it's Hebrew. No, Hebrew is not a perfect language, and we're not going to be speaking Hebrew in heaven, okay? It's, it's going to be a perfect language when we get to heaven. Um, but, but when we get a message, and I'll talk about this, when we get a message and it's given in tongues, 
in order to edify the body, they have to understand it. So there must be an interpretation because it comes from God to the body, right? I'll explain it in a moment. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their what? Three words. Strengthening, encouragement. Is there anywhere there where it says rebuke? Is there anywhere in there where it says correction? And yet, so many people are prophesying in correction and rebuke, and nowhere in the Bible does it say you're prophesying in correction and rebuke. That's an Old Testament use of prophecy, but it is not how Paul defined prophecy in the New Testament. It's not correction and rebuke. It's actually strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. What did Jesus say? I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be strengthened, encouraged, and comforted. Right? It's, you say, well, how do you know that? Because the same characteristics Jesus came in the world to do, the Holy Spirit still demonstrates. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like for everyone to speak in a tongue. So Paul is saying, through the Holy Spirit, I would love for everybody to speak in tongues. And then he makes a statement, which then people say negates what he just said. No, Paul says, I want, I would that everybody spoke in a tongue. But then he comes to next, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may be edified, that the church may be edified. So let's take a look at these three words, strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. Have you ever received a prophecy and it didn't strengthen you, encourage you, or comfort you? Has anyone ever prophesied to you and it never it didn't strengthen, encourage, or comfort you? All right? Anyone in here? Someone prophesied? Either this is a bad testament of the fact that we're not prophesying and Paul is saying we should be, if no one is, because how many know at some point in your life you're going to get a prophecy that is not even close to comforting and strengthening and encouraging, right? I mean, my wife and I have received some prophecies in our ministry after, you know, being married, and they didn't do any of those things. And you know what we didn't do? We didn't get hurt. You know what else we didn't do? We didn't throw prophecy in the toilet and flush it. Because the reality is if it doesn't strengthen, encourage, or comfort, we just let go. I'm not going to rebuke the person. I'm not going to attack the person for doing it. They came to me, unless they were trying to be attacking, they came to me trying to bless us, and it just wasn't. It wasn't worth So I'm not getting hurt by it. Do you, do you know we live in a world that just seems to want to get hurt by everything? Like, we read into everything, like, what bad thing are they trying to tell us, you know? And God says He's going to help you in your parenting as you raise your child. What are they saying? I'm not a good parent? No, they're saying God's going to help you. We could all use it. Amen? It's like, it's like there's this sense, like, when you receive it, you stop and you consider is this comforting? Is it encouraging? And, it, and is it strengthening? And here's the other thing to consider. If it is, you will notice it is. Yeah. 
Because when the word comes, it won't come to you as a word from a man. It will come to you as a word from God. And a word from God always brings life. It's a creative word. He created the world with a word. And when it creates in you strength, it builds you up. Here, here are the definitions really of strength. And so, so if someone gives you a prophetic word and it's not true, just, just, you know, I can't even tell you one of the words in front of everybody. My wife would kill me if I told you the word. That's how bad the word was. And it was given to her in front of the entire congregation by a speaker that came to speak. We were the senior, we were the executive pastors. And they gave a word to her that was totally off base, right? And from the platform, he gave a word. And we could have let that hurt us. We could have let that affect us in a negative way. But you know what we did? We just let it go. Because I don't want, I don't want the enemy to give us a word that embarrassed us in front of everybody and then destroy us on top of it. Now I lost where I was at. <laughs> so, so, the, so strengthening, well, I'll get to that. I guess I'll get to that. So there's this sense of correction. You know, um, a lot of times people want, they have an opinion about other people, like friends or an opinion about it, but they don't want to actually go to the person and tell them what their opinion is or what they think. So they go, you, can I talk to you for a little bit? I, I feel like God's telling me that I should tell you this. Right? I've always, when people do that, I always want to go like, you know what? I want to go to one of their friends and say, John is telling me to tell you this. Because would you like it if I use, put your name on my opinion for something that you didn't agree with or you didn't say? That's why you have to be careful. The prophecy isn't intended to correct that's not, God didn't give you, a, he's not going to give you a word to correct. There, there's a difference between when you, what prophecy is and you going in and saying, hey, this is an area I think that's affecting your life. You might want to take a look at it. And the Lord's bringing me here. I feel like the Lord spoke to me, but it's not a prophetic word. It's something the Lord put in my heart. Can I talk to you about it? It's called discipleship, right? And um, what I've noticed what I've noticed is we are probably the most uncovered generation of Christians in the history of Christians. You say, well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> what I mean is, who in your life currently could come and talk to you about something you're making bad decisions in and you wouldn't get offended? You wouldn't get angry? Who? Don't, don't, I have people. No, just who? Who do you have in your life that protects you, that God could speak to when you're not listening to him because you just want to do, that could come into you, you know they love you, they care about you, but could come to you and, and gently bring correction in an area you needed. You know, David, King David, had Nathan. When David wasn't listening, who's your Nathan? Who's your Nathan? Who's in your life? 
But there's, there's a lot of people that see things and they have opinions. How many you know we're also a very opinionated society, right? Very opinionated. We have all our opinionated. And, and you know, God says, one, uh, you know, I even forgot to mention this, is, is, you know, God is love. And how do people know that we're people of God? We love people. Well, how do you know your love for people is different than the people of the world? You love people who persecute you. You love people who disagree with you. That even after they attack you and come after you, you go to them and you still love them. I mean, think about this. How are you doing with that? Strengthening means placing one stone on top of another to build up. When I have a prophetic word, I'm going to strengthen someone with that word. It means that when I'm done giving the word, they feel built up. Encouragement means putting courage into someone by the word of God. It means that word, when I give that prophetic word through the Holy Spirit,